0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantan. It hurts to see how much will not last here.
1: It hurts to see people in the hospital. It hurts to see people with debilitating illnesses. It hurts, and yet I think it should hurt. Because our response is not to close our eyes as Christians, but to go, this is broken. This is messed up and to go it's not worth living
0: for hoping God. Of this world is becoming more and more obvious. Sin is increasing all around us. We can see the effects of it daily. Pastor Ricky will encourage each of us to wake up and realize that this world is not worth living for. We must live for an eternal, higher prize eternity with Jesus. Well, here's Pastor Ricky with his continuing study entitled Forever is Soon. One
1: example in chapter 4. Paul exhorts them, in chapter 4, verse 3, look at this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. So this is one example of an area. There's many areas. You could go with greed. You could go with envy. You could go with a number of things. But an example of how as we live in the darkness, things in the darkness start to become attractive. We and start, we start to go, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't look half bad. Maybe I should dabble in that. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. He may take forever. In the meantime, I can enjoy this here and now. And Paul is saying, no, the will of God for you is that you learn to look more and more like Jesus because all of that stuff that seems so enticing today is going to be gone in a moment. And in fact, by sowing to that, it will burn up. And things you could have invested in will be lost. See, I think we're going to look back and see that our struggle with sexual immorality was one of the defining fights of Christians in America. I think that as history, hundreds of years, looks back on us, and they look at, okay, what were the sins that 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 church struggled with? I think sexual immorality will be at the forefront. And when I say sexual immorality, I just mean what the Bible says. I mean any sexual activity outside of God's place for sexual activity, which is marriage. Marriage. And so what happens is that lust turns our desires inward. It warps them. Living in the darkness, we start to think maybe this is okay, maybe this is good. Maybe I can I maybe maybe in the meantime, I don't know if Jesus is going to come back. In fact, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a husband or a wife. So in the meantime, I'm going to get what I can. Lust turns us inward instead of outward. It turns us to the darkness rather than to the light. And and it makes our lives about fulfilling our appetites. And it bleeds over into greed and selfishness at home and laziness and all of these things. And and this is an effect of, of getting sleepy. We stop thinking about eternal realities. Our heart starts wandering around looking for things to set itself on. We find these things and we begin to drift. And then you think, how did that guy get to the point where he committed adultery and left his family? He got there with a sleepy heart. He got there not thinking about the eternal realities of Christ and judgment and eternity and allowing his heart to little by little pursue things in the darkness that began to look better and better and better. And the reality is, if he is apart from Christ, he will perish eternally. If he's in Christ it will all burn away and he will be left thinking i wish i hadn't wasted it we have sleepy hearts and this leads to sleepy hands over and over in 1st Thessalonians paul exhorts the church not to stop loving one another Um, not to stop serving one another, not to stop giving to one another, not to stop uh, fellowshipping with one another, all these really, really practical things that here's what happens when our minds are dead to eternal realities, when our hearts get seduced, when our hands, what happens to our hands then is things that we should be doing, we stop doing, and things we probably shouldn't be doing, we start doing those things. It affects our hearts, our heads, our hearts, and our hands as a whole person. And so here's the question. Are you a sleepy Christian? Are, really, I love the way that Paul changes it from you to we in the middle of the passage if you caught that. And so I'm going to ask a question like this. Are we sleepy Christians? Are there eternal realities that should mean everything to us that we go, I would rather watch binge watch The Office again, right? I would rather... Have three more drinks than think about this. I would rather do this or that, and it affects our hearts, and our hearts begin gravitating to things that we should not, and then our hands begin doing things that they should not. And the call of the passage, the call of Paul today is wake up. Don't be asleep. But there's a second component, which is to wake up. Don't sleep and wake up. Last year, uh, my family, we drove to California for family vacation, right? Right? Has anybody driven to California? Has anybody driven through the night to a place? Okay, raise your hand if you've driven through the night to a place. Okay. Oh, man, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. You feel my pain. So Jen and I decide we're going to go to California. We're going to drive through the night so Ford would be asleep. And we're going to take shifts. And so uh, I, think I, had a, I think I had several shifts in, interspersed with that. But I had what I think was the horrible shift from like 3 a.m. to 8 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part where you just feel ill. You just think, like, this is the worst. And for the first time in my life, um, and I, now look, I'm not a night owl person. It's not, this wasn't easy for me. If I could, by choice, go to bed anytime, it'd be like 9.30 or 10, right? Like, that's my default. Let's go to bed there. So 12 is pushing it for me. One, that's really pushing it. 3 a.m. is like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe this feeling that I have. And so, I remember thinking, I got to get geared up for this. And so I got several of those like energy drink things, which I've never had before or since that tasted horrific. I don't know how you guys do that stuff. I had coffee, I had stuff, I had audio books to listen to. And I remember, you know, 3, 3.30, just thinking, this is insane. I feel like, like this is insane. And so I started doing things like, I'm going to count how many exits there are in the next 15 minutes. And then compare that to the next 15 minutes and be like, oh, look, I guess there would be five. There were actually four. Let me guess again. And like try to, whatever I could do to try to keep myself like engaged somehow. And I was actually like, let me laugh along with this audio book. This is funny. ha ha. ha. Like even whether or not it was funny. Just anything that I could do. And I remember the feeling of sleep like clawing at me and me going, oh, right? If you ever had that feeling, you know exactly what Paul is charging us to do. He's saying, you feel the sleepiness. He's not saying, you shouldn't be sleepy at all. He's saying, no, no, no. There are things here that are making you drowsy, but your push, your call is to wake up. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like sober, clear-thinking minds to eternal realities. Friends, if we are Christians, we know more about eternity than anyone else. That the Bible has, not just because we figured it out, but that the God has given us this book that has opened our eyes, and now we see clearly. We see what pleases God, what doesn't please God, what matters here, what doesn't matter here, what matters eternally, what doesn't matter eternally. All of these things he's helped us see. And so part of living for eternity means wakefulness. It means consciously thinking about these things, living in the reality of these things. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was, there was a number of things that were happening that were tough, that were hard. Our little guy was sick. There was a number of other just prayer requests and things I was hearing from the church. And I just remember praying and, and going, Lord, why does this hurt so much? I feel like the further I go in life, the more my eyes are opened and the more this world is so messed up. Where before I couldn't see it. And every, it's like every year it just is worse. And that weighs on me. weighs on me that my kids are growing up in this world. It weighs on me that I'm living in this world. What, what, what am I supposed to do with this, Lord? And I felt like the Lord, in kind of a still, small voice, said, Son, it's because you're learning to see. What I think that means is it hurts to see how much will not last here. It hurts to see people in the hospital. It hurts to see people with debilitating illnesses. It hurts, and yet I think it should hurt. Because our response is not to close our eyes as Christians, but to go, this is broken. This is messed up. And to go, it's not worth living for. Throwing 50 grand or whatever into this hot new car isn't worth it. When it comes to eternity... Spending my time this way, becoming the the chief of clans on whatever stupid online game is going around right now, is worthless. But it doesn't feel like it in the moment. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't feel like it. Having a good spring wardrobe that's like all put together and perfect and like, okay, perfect. This is my year, right? (laughs) Having that feels like it matters a lot. And what the Bible says, no, 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 you need to learn to see through these things in a sense. See to eternity past these things and go, what ultimately matters? Having the perfect, you know, jacket to go with this outfit or maybe spending time with an unbeliever who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe encouraging somebody who's discouraged. Maybe there, there are millions of ways we could spend our time, but, but we are to be wakeful. We are to be sober when it comes to eternal realities. And so here's, here's my kind of application here. I want to assign you to think and read and study more about heaven. Caveat, in the Bible, okay? So we all said that thing where the guy said, I went to heaven, and then he actually didn't. And so the Bible's safe, okay? Nobody's recanted that yet, all right? So start with the Bible. Think about heaven. This year, make it one of your goals to look at what Scripture says about eternity and about heaven and to stir in your heart the reality of that day coming. Second... We're to have sober hearts that set ourselves on what pleases God. Now, C.S. Lewis says this in an incomparable way. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. See what Luce is saying? He's saying, look, your problem isn't that you have such strong desires and the way of the Christian life is. We'll just try to desire things less. Try to set your expectations a little bit lower, won't you? He says, no, the problem is you're half-hearted about this. The problem is you're like a kid who's playing mud pies somewhere in a filthy, dirty slum, and God says, come, let's go. Let's take a vacation. You want to go see the ocean? And we go, no, I like this mud pie. It's cool. I made it. He's like, you, want to, you don't want to go to the beach? You're like, I don't know what the beach is. That's not even a real thing. Probably. But this mud pie is real. And Paul is saying, look, where have you set your heart? Where have you set your affections? Are they on the things of God? And it may be that today your desires aren't too strong that the call is not just we'll stop sinning so much. No, no, no. The call is desire the right things and go wholeheartedly after those things. Think about what your great loves are in this life. And third, we should have sober hands working well while we wait. If we get the eternal reality that eternity is coming, that life with Jesus is coming, that we work now in light of that eternity, that we can do things now that will be reaped in eternity, if that's true, and if we set our hearts to long for that day and long for the Savior and long for good eternal things, then our hands will follow. See, sometimes I think we go, well, we, we spend so much time, like, on the hands level of the Christian life where we're, we're, we're like, well, are you doing the right thing or not doing the right thing? Instead of going, okay, why are you doing those things? What do you love that's leading you to, to be busy with that? And what do you think about that's leading you to think that's really worthwhile? Maybe we should back up and go, okay, let's get my head right, let's get my heart right, and then let's see where my hands take, like, where, 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 where I begin to work well and what I begin to take up. A couple of weeks ago, my dad used the illustration that you can write down everything you're giving your time and energy and money to in this life and put it into two columns on a sheet of paper. And over those two columns, write matters eternally or, right, doesn't matter. And just write everything in your life down. This matters, doesn't matter. This matters, doesn't matter. And now, it's not just, okay, well, now I see these things matter and these things don't matter. The call of the passage is be sober-minded, be awake, take up the things of the Lord, with zeal. Don't just like kind of, oh yeah, I should kind of be investing more in this. No, take that list, tear off half of it, and do that, right? That's like kind of the feel of this letter. Spurgeon, I read a sermon. Um, he, he applies this specifically to sharing the good news of the gospel with the people around us. And he gave some illustrations that are just gold. He, he says like, this is, the, I mean, this is my words, but these are Spurgeon's illustrations. He goes, it's like a doctor with a cure for the plague that is destroying his city that sleeps while people around him die. This doctor that round the clock has found a cure for the plague that's destroying the, the, the lives of his friends and his family and his city. And yet he thinks, you know what, I just need to put in a couple of Z's. I'll feel refreshed. I'll be able to kind of get out there and, and see, see what I can do tomorrow. So and maybe he sleeps for a while. He's drowsy. He comes down and goes, hey, Oh, would you be interested in like a I kind of discovered something. You want me to tell you about it? I mean, or... And they're kind of like, not, not really. And you're like, oh, okay. And then go back to sleep and take for a while and then kind of come back out. And you're, and you're kind of drowsily, kind of half-heartedly offering this cure to people and, you know, thinking nobody's really going to be interested in this. And instead, and, and Spurgeon says, no, no, no. We are to be like a doctor that finds the cure. Somehow the cure is delivered to him, and he grabs it, and he runs into the city center and begins shouting, I found it. This will save us. And some people don't want to listen. He goes, Listen. You don't understand what this means. Another illustration, he says, it's like a sailor whose boat is in trouble asleep while everyone perishes. That you think you're he's the only guy that knows how to sail through this kind of storm and yet as all of this is happening, he's just you're just you're just wiped out. You're just knocked out. Third illustration. It's like a night watchman who is supposed to be awake and aware, watching for attacks, watching for danger, and he sees in the distance a fire starting. And he thinks, oh, that's not good. And it begins to spread and jumps from roof to roof to house to house to the city square to further and further, and yet he's drowsily kind of half-watching, drifting in and out of sleep when all the while the bell is right there. And so Spurgeon says, ring the bell. The, the, this, is, this has challenged me so much, guys, because I think so much of my attempts at evangelism are me kind of spent trying to figure out how do I best evangelize, right? How do I best share the gospel with people? And so it's like, okay, well... I, you know, I, I did that two-question testing. I didn't love that, so I want to try this other method. Or maybe I'll do kind of the service and then share method. Or maybe I'll do the, the, the like, um, the surprise, like, invite somebody over, but invite another Christian over. And it's like, oh, well, look there. Hey, let's talk about the Lord. You know, like, maybe there's different thing. And you spend so much of your time trying to, okay, I don't know, blah, 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 trying to get it right and get your strategy all lined up. And, and part of this, part of this, I think, should, should push us to just go, just share it. Because they're going to die. Because eternity is real. Because hell is real, but eternal life and the offer of eternal life is real. And maybe we should care a little bit less about strategies and a little bit more about the people around us and allow that to compel us to say, look, I love you. And this matters eternally. Could you take like two minutes? Could I just tell you this thing that has changed my life and that I think could change yours? Could I do that? Two ways to end kind of a charge here, and the first way is to sort of go, all right, well, we are a bunch of terrible people, and we are not awake, and we love things that aren't good, and we haven't shared the gospel enough, and I feel horrible, so let's just go home, right? To allow the last note to kind of be, just stop being so terrible. But you notice something? That's not the way Paul writes this. See, in chapter 4, he introduces, in verse 13, the hope of Jesus' return, saying, even though through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, and talks about the dead in Christ rising and were caught up together in the clouds, and then he says... Be sober, be watchful, don't go to sleep. And then look at how he ends. Verse 9 in chapter 5, verse 9, this is where he ends. This is why he's telling them this. For, he says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live in him. Live with Him, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. See, this charge to be sober and awake is bracketed by gospel hope. It's not meant to land just, oh, try to do better. No, it's you have an amazing, eternal destiny with the Lord, so be sober, be awake. But then again, remember, you have an eternal destiny with the Lord. He says, you are not destined for wrath, Christian. You are not stuck in darkness. That's not all there is. You're not just trying to scrape what happiness you can find together. You're not trying to get whatever you can get because life is short and hard and you're just trying to make it less horrible. No, you've been saved from all that. So stop living for it. And he says, you are destined, he says, to have eternal salvation. You are destined to have abundant life in Christ, in heaven, for eternity that will start and never stop. And you have a glorious purpose. And all of this is because of Jesus who died for you so that your eternal destiny would be so certain, so certain, listen to this, that if you die, it's a win. If you live, it's a win. Either way, it's a win. Nothing can happen to you, Christian, that is not in eternity a win. And so, he says, that stuff that's grabbing you, just put it away. The stuff that matters, do that because you're going to heaven with Jesus forever. There there is a sense in which this is like um, that drive that I took to, to California, that hard drive from 3 to 8 a.m. or whatever, I remember a moment. I remember that that as it barely started to get a bit lighter, I was getting into that state park that's kind of before San Diego, and there started to be rolling hills, and there starts to be kind of houses and lights after being in the desert where everything's just dead for like an hour or two hours or eight hours or whatever it is. And and you start to see lights. And, and, and behind me, as the sun's rising, it's beginning to cast just the first rays of light onto those houses. And I'll never remember, there's this moment, and it was really, I, I felt horrible because I wanted to wake Jen up to see it, but then she was asleep, so I didn't. So I just experienced it myself. But there's this moment that it was almost as though as the sun was rising behind us and everything was beginning to find light, we came over this hill and we saw the ocean and the long journey from El Paso to San Diego, through the desert, through the night, fighting to stay awake, when I saw those first rays of sunlight on the water, I thought, we've made it. <laughs> we made it. And I've never felt anything like that. And friends, I feel as though that a good illustration for this passage is that we're stuck in, almost in that last hour before we make it. <laughs> it's dark. It's the worst part of the darkness and yet the sun is coming up behind us and the water is out in front of us. And one day Jesus is either gonna split the sky and cover that last half hour in an instant or we're gonna keep driving and we're gonna make it and we're gonna live with Jesus.
0: Hope in God, oh my soul He is strong and He is strong to save vitamin to the most efficient way to exercise, our culture is obsessed with living forever. All these pursuits are deeply rooted in a desire to make this life on earth last forever. But what if that's not God's plan? What if he wants us to live forever, just not here? How would your life change? Would you opt for that second 60-inch big screen TV or bring an orphan into your home? What would you do if you knew you would live forever? For more information about this message, please email us at radio at betternewsradio.com or give us a call. The number to call is 915-562-7100. Again, our phone number here at Cross of Grace Church is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website www.betternewsradio.com all of pastor ricky's messages through the bible are available to listen to or download for free at www.betternewsradio.com again the web address is betternewsradio.com you'll also find contact information driving directions to the church and details about activities and upcoming events at the website We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Pastor Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.